0: And to be able to uh, give the message for uh, this morning, morning. Uh, as Pastor Fred prayed, Pastor Darrell came down with, uh, boy, Friday he was extremely dizzy and uh, can't he really get going. And he went to the doctor. He's got a bad ear and sinus infection, which he gets every so often. And so he is unable to be here today. He's on antibiotics and keep praying that he'll be back uh, to normal very soon. And in the meantime, you got me here this morning. And uh, I'm glad to be able to speak today. Uh, The first Sunday after my wife's Jerry memorial service last uh, Sunday night. And I had so many things I wanted to say to thank the congregation. So I wrote them down so I wouldn't forget what I wanted to say. I especially wanted to thank all of you and many other people for all the love and the, uh, just for our whole family that was shown. We appreciate uh, our body here, and the, the church. There were so many beautiful cards and sentiments expressed and I wish that I could write back to each person and thank you because it meant so much as I read them all over. But so many hugs and condolences from to me and to our family. I just want to thank all of you and, and, and remembering the gifts that was given for Jerry's memorial, for children's ministry, which was her passion as we shared in the Memorial Service you kind of got that impression if didn't really know her. So many people uh, said I knew her good smile and her hugs and her friendliness, but they really got a picture of her burden and what she was, and I, I really am happy we were were able to do that. I just want to thank everybody for responding and even bringing food to us and uh, taking care of us. I never had so much food in a refrigerator in my life, so thank you. Very good. Um, I can't begin to thank you. And it just shows what it means to be a body of believers, that the church is there. Uh, Just the support and uh, care for us and standing with us in the time of Jerry's passing. So I want to thank everybody, each and every one. And there's just no way I can tell you what your love and support meant to us during this uh, time. I'm happy that I can come and tell you a week later uh, what it all meant, what a family of God you all are, and thank you for church for being with us, if people aren't here this morning or watching online, I want everybody to know what we really uh, felt. I felt the memorial service really expressed what Jerry was. And uh, for you all to love and appreciate her and to uh, have our immediate family here, it was just a blessing to us. I'd like to begin uh, our service this morning, a message this morning, uh, with a theme that Pastor Daryl began at the beginning of the year on grace. As you know, Pastor Fred followed that. Pastor Dennis spoken on the grace of God. The Lord laid a message on my heart for this Sunday, and I hope that you can see the grace of God in all the examples that I'm going to be using. Keep that in mind as we, as we uh, go through that. Um, this past week, I woke up in the middle of the night. I uh, really haven't been sleeping too well, as you can imagine. But in the middle of the night, I woke up with a word on my heart, just one word. My message today is going to consist of that one word. I got one word on my heart for a message, and I hope that you will remember it. And uh, I hope it gives you hope that no matter where we are, no matter what we're going through, i tell you, all the songs we sang this morning really fit the message. It, just, it was like it was planned for the message. That's what the Holy Spirit does. But um, last couple of weeks, as you know, we've gone through the valley of the shadow of death. As the psalmist wrote in the 23rd Psalm, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And how true that is as we walk with the Lord these past few weeks. The one word, was on the screen up there, you can see it, is nevertheless. Nevertheless, one word sermon this morning, except I'm not going to stop with one word. You didn't expect me to, did you? Uh, I'm giving the one word as a basis for the the message, because I want you to remember that word along with all the examples from the Word of God that I will be giving you. People came up after the service last night and were giving me other examples from the Word of God. I said, I can't preach everything, because everybody in the Word of God really fits this message. I just chose a few of them. Nevertheless, that's a compound word. Compound word, as you can see on the screen, because it's really three words put together. Look at it it's never, there's never, then there's a conjunction word, the, and then there's another word, less, which is the opposite in a way of the word of never. Never the less, but there is something there. Kind of an oxymoron when you have two different things saying the same thing. We have, first of all, the word never in there. Never means never. Got that, everybody? That means it ain't going to happen. It can't be. It's never. The word the is a conjunction word to take us from never to the next word, and that's the word less, which really means something different than never. It means it may not be as much, but it could be. It allows for the impossible. It allows the never to happen. So nevertheless something's going to happen even though we start the word and think it can't happen. I thought I should give a grammar lesson before we start the sermon this morning. Um, you know, we have to ask is it never going to be or is there a connection that it might be? Maybe in a lesser degree? Never? Or could it be? The definition of Nevertheless, I uh, honestly thought about it and I said, I really don't know what that word means. It seems like it's all over the place. So I went to my office and I pulled out a big dictionary. Webster, I mean, I got a dictionary this thick. It was stuck back here and I pulled it out and I looked up nevertheless. It said nevertheless was an adverb, compound of never, the, and less, which we already know by now. The definition was given, not the less, or nonetheless. Better word to be used was notwithstanding. Here is the condition, but notwithstanding, it goes, we still. And that's the word it had. You could put the word still in, or I even checked some other translations, it said, yet. Yet this will happen. Never can be, but yet it will be. You got the point of what I'm trying to get at this morning? Another dictionary. Gave the same words notwithstanding yet and added the word however. However means (laughs) there still could be more. However, yeah, it can't be, but however it might be. Do you follow what I'm saying? Uh, It's impossible, but however, or still there may be more. In other words, this is impossible, but there may be another dimension at work here. Example they gave in the dictionary was, he declared he would not yield, nevertheless, he yielded. I felt like I was listening to the politicians on radio, you know. <laughs> I will never do that. Nevertheless, they go ahead and do it. You got the, you got the picture now of what I'm talking about? Uh, they wouldn't do it, but they did. In other words, it's something that uh, cannot be, but yet it is. And what caught my attention was some examples. Even as I heard, the word nevertheless came to me in my mind, immediately went to Jesus in the garden. That's my first example. Let's get now in the track. we get off the grammar and into the word of God, okay? The uh, scriptural passage was Jesus praying in the garden on his way to the cross. The agony that was before him we cannot begin to imagine as he went to the cross for us. Luke chapter 22, verse 22 to 24, it says verse 24, being in agony, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling to the ground. I've seen people in agony. I've seen people carrying great burdens, but I never saw anybody actually sweating blood. It must have been his whole body was reacting to what he was going to have to go through. But the word for today is found in verse 42, Luke twenty-two forty-two, 42, where Jesus kneeled down in the garden and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. He's saying, I don't see how I can go through with this. But nevertheless, you I'll do your will. When Jesus prayed in the garden, he was really saying, God, is there any other way? Do I really have to go through with this? Can we do this? Can we save mankind some other way than me going to the cross? That's the never part. I can't go through with this. But on the other hand, I will do your will. Follow the nevertheless. See, God the Father and God the Son had a plan. Before the world ever began, I read in Revelation 13.8. I want you to look at this first. Revelation 13.8, it says that the Lamb of God, that's a picture of Jesus, called a Lamb because he would be the sacrifice. When John the Baptist saw him coming, he said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the wind and sin of the world. See, when sin takes place, there must be death to atone for that. The Bible says in the book of Romans, the wages of sin is death. We sin, there's a price to pay. It's wages. The word of God says, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. Death has to take place to to, to show that we have satisfied uh, that requirement that death would take place. But in Revelation 13, it says that the Lamb of God, that was Jesus, was slain when? not just on the cross, before the foundation of the world. What that means is it was already settled before ever the foundation of the world was made that Jesus would come and be the sacrifice for us and our sin. Think about that for a moment. How could that be? Well, i tell you, there's no past, present, or future with God. He lives in eternity. If something happens, that's as good as done, as far as he's concerned. And they settled this before they ever created the world. Before man and woman were ever created, it has already decided what would happen when they sinned. You know, there's a philosophical argument that people can make. If God really is God, why did he create man so they had the potential for sinning? Why did he make it so we weren't didn't have all these temptations, so we didn't have this inclination to sin. Why did God do that? Not the only way he did it. He wanted people that he created that had a free will, that could, of their own choice, worship him, could come and say, Lord, I love you, as we were doing this morning. He wanted us, when we could go our own way, when we could go into sin, we could do opposite of what God wants, how many people will do what God wants? That's the whole point of why we're here, because we want to please God. And he created man with that ability because if he hadn't have given us that ability, you know what we'd have been? We'd have just been a bunch of robots down here. Got to do this. God had enough angels in heaven. He didn't make, need to make a whole bunch more of us angels on earth. He wanted to know, would you, we really serve him? Right? Think about it for a minute. That's what means something to God. I've got, uh, as you saw in the, last week in the... In the slide for presentation, not only two kids, but out two kids, we got eight grandchildren. They're sitting on the front row and back there this morning. Eight grandchildren. When they were little, I could be sitting in my easy chair, and I'll tell you, when they were this size, this little baby up here, hold the baby up so everybody can see this cute little baby. not that cute, baby? <laughs> cute baby. See, when he was that size, <laughs> he's like, ah. I could make those kids sit on my lap. I have strong enough, I could hold them, I could put their head close to me, and I could say, now say, I love you. And I could make them sit there squirming as they want to get down. (laughs) That really doesn't do my daddy heart any good. What really does me good, if I'm sitting in my easy chair, half asleep, and they come and jump in my lap and throw their arms around me and say, daddy, I love you. Think about God for a minute. Did he want people he was forcing to live for him? He had a heaven full of angels. He wanted people could go their own way, but because of love, they would jump into his arms and say, hold me, Father, I love you. That's what he wanted. And I think we have to realize that God knew man would sin. But I want to tell you this morning, God had a plan. He did not create man with the ability to sin and left him without hope. Because it was decided before the world ever began, before he ever created heaven and earth, before he ever created man and woman, it was decided that Jesus would pay the price and die for them. How can that be? Because he had no sin of his own to die for. He was not under the curse of death. He took our place. He became our substitute. He said, I will die for the guilty. I, the sinless one, will die for those who are sinners. And he took our place when he went to the cross. You know, God was at a loss when Adam and Eve sinned and wringing his head. Up. Hey, what are we going to do now? Look how they've messed up the world down there. God is not shaken up by a messed up world. He knew what was going to be, but he provided the way out before he ever created the world or created man and woman in the world. Anybody say Amen. Thank God for that this morning. So before the foundation of the world, it was already settled in heaven that Jesus would pay the price. Before God created the earth, he had a plan in mind. Before he ever put man on the earth, he knew what he was going to do when he sinned. And it was settled in heaven that Jesus would come, that he would be the Lamb of God like the Old Testament Lamb. Didn't take away sin. It covered up the sin so that God could look over them. They were a sacrifice brought. Jesus was a sacrifice that takes away the sin of the world. Jesus would go to the cross. They had a plan. He would offer his sinless life. Think about it. To pay the penalty of death that we would have to pay. That whosoever would accept him as their savior, he would be their substitute. He was saying, I'll take your place. I'll die. I don't want to get sidetracked. But you know why there was a resurrection after the death? Because death could not hold him. He had never sinned. He died for us. Our sins were laid upon him. Our infirmities were laid upon him. But death could not hold him because there was no sentence of death on him. And he rose victorious. And because he lives, we can live also. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Penalty of, death, penalty of death was paid by the son, the innocent one for the guilty party. And that's why we can be saved today. I don't want to get sidetracked here, but I just want to explain that. It was settled before God ever created man that Jesus would go to the cross and die. Before the world began. But now, <laughs> Jesus has left heaven. Philippians chapter 2, he In the form of God, thought a robbery to be equal with God, made himself of no reputation, came down this earth, took upon him the form of a man, and was going to go to the cross. Now he is on earth. Now he has to act out what was already decided. What in the mind of God was complete, he now has to do it. He has to go to the cross to make it valid. He actually had to suffer. He really had to die. Your sins, my sins, were placed upon him. Can you imagine what that was like? He who knew no sin had sin placed upon him. Wow. And he cried out in the garden, "O oh God, is there any other way to save mankind? Nevertheless, I will go to the cross. Nevertheless, I will fulfill the plan that we had settled before you ever made the world. I have the answer for man, and not my will, thine be done. Any other way, God? Any way to take this cup from me? I know there isn't. No. The plan that we had before the world began will be executed. So Jesus said, nevertheless, your will be done, not my will done. Nevertheless. I will do it. That was a plan we agreed on, that every man could be saved if they wanted to. So, Lord, I can't rely on my will. It's hard, God, but I cannot violate the plan of God. I cannot thwart the purpose of God for my own convenience or my own... I have to take the pain and the suffering and death. I cannot negate the power of God to accomplish his will, just to save myself, I have to go to the cross. Do you see the picture this morning? It's hard for even Jesus. It was unbearable. When you sweat great drops of blood, that's unbearable. But aren't you glad he said, Nevertheless? Nevertheless, I can't have my way. I cannot fail. I cannot disobey the will of God. It's not my will, but thine be. Done. Let me give you a few other examples of God's word where people said, nevertheless. I want God's way and not my own comfort. They were saying, I'm not going to check out just because I'm going through something rough. That's why I appreciate the hymns this morning, the songs, the choruses this morning. That's what they were saying. We can't check out just because things are going well for us. Uh, people say, we have to need to say, I cannot, I'm not going to thwart God's plan for my life just to make it easier for me, or because I can't take it anymore. Amen. I'm not going to thwart God's plan. I'm not going to mess up his plan for my life just because I'm not willing to pay the price. You got my picture? That's the first example of Jesus in the garden. Second example I want to give is Job. Probably nobody suffered more than Job in the Old Testament in the book that bears his name. Satan attacked him. Everything was taken from him at once his family, all in one night, his possessions, his wealth, his health. It was all gone. His wife said, Job, why don't you curse God and die? That's a supportive wife. His three friends said, Job, Obviously, you have sinned. God is out to punish you. Just confess how wicked you are. (laughs) You know what Job did? He said, nevertheless. He said, though God slay me, yet I will trust him. Hallelujah. That's the attitude. I'll tell you, no matter what, I'm going to live for God. And Job said, in other words, everything is against me right now. But nevertheless, I will not forsake God and his plan for me and my life. There's another verse in Job, 19, verse 23. You know what Job said in the 19th chapter? As for me, how could he go through that? Losing everything, how could he go through that? Because he said, as for me, I know that my Redeemer liveth. And that he will stand upon the earth in the last days. The next verse, verse 26 says, After my body has been destroyed. One other translation is a little more graphic. says, After worms have destroyed my body, yet in my body I will see God. In my flesh I shall see God. That's faith in the word of God. And I want to tell you something. Job did it without any Bible to study book of Job was one of the first written, one of the most ancient books there was. There was no Bible for him to read. How did he know that his Redeemer would live? How did he know that after he died, he would stand upon the face of the earth? Every time he'd been talking to God, and God had put it in his heart. Friends, we need conviction about our future. We need conviction about our Christian life, and that will help us through the times when it's not good. Job a good example. Another example is Joseph in the book of Genesis. Joseph was a good kid. (laughs) He's a favorite of his father. What happened? His brothers got so jealous of him that one day on the field they put him in a pit. Threw him in a pit. And then some of the brothers sold him for money to some slaves that were, were taking slaves down to Egypt. And there after he got to Egypt, his master's wife lied about him, and he was put in prison unjustly. What happened to Joseph? <laughs> in a pit, sold as a slave, <clears throat> lied about, <clears throat> wound up in prison. But God had a plan for Joseph's life. He had a position for him and power to where he rose to be in charge of Egypt. It took prison, <laughs> lying, a pit, being sold, all that he had to go through. But Joseph said, Nevertheless, no matter what happens to me, he would not compromise, would not violate his convictions. No matter what happened to him, he held on until he was on the throne and saw the power of God. The plan of God came to pass in Joseph's life, nevertheless. Fourth example I want to give you is the disciples fishing in the boat. It's found in John 21. Verses 3 to 12. It's up there, I put the references up there so you can read it when you go home if you want to. But after the crucifixion of Jesus, Peter said in John 21, 3, I'm going fishing. Jesus had been killed. Peter said, I'm going back to my old life. I've been following Jesus. He died as a criminal on the cross. I'm going back to my old profession. i got to make a living somehow, so I'm going back to my old profession of fishing. And you know what? We're so influential. Seven of the other disciples said, we'll go with you. Seven disciples said, us too. If you go, Peter, we're going to go with you. It describes in chapter 21, John, that all that night they were fishing. They were working. They had nets they had let down. It took strength and energy and they worked all night and caught nothing that's not good when fishermen can't catch anything the next morning Jesus was standing on the shore and they didn't recognize him I mean they're out in a boat it's just becoming daylight may have been fog it might have been a mist we don't know what but they didn't recognize him at all but he knew them he knew where they were You know, he knows when we're discouraged. He knows when we're ready to give up. He knows when we're ready to run away. Jesus calls out to them, have you caught any fish? Like he didn't know. (laughs) John 21, 6, Jesus said, cast your net on the other side of the ship and you'll catch fish. Picture the story like it really was. Can you imagine tired disciples worn out, frustrated with life, frustrated they can't even catch a fish, just exasperated, not catching anything, failures. And Jesus said, why don't you try fishing on the other side of the ship? (laughs) I heard one preacher on this, and he said, can you imagine what was going through their heads, tired, exhausted, Nothing to show for a night of work. And Jesus said, try the other side of the ship. And the preacher said, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the disciples weren't saying, hey, we are the professional fishermen. You're a carpenter. <laughs> you work in a shop. We're out of the lake. You haven't been out the lake. You don't know this lake like we do. We know how to fish. It was just a bad night. Jesus said, eh, try it on the other side and see what happens nevertheless, <laughs> they could not do anything. They said, nevertheless, at your will, because you said your word, we'll cast the nets on the other side. And when they did, there were so many fish. Do you think God was involved here? No fish on this side of the ship and schools of fish on that side of the ship. It says in the Bible, they were not able to draw in the nets for the multitude of fish they caught. Just listening to the direction that the Lord gave him. Think about it for a minute. What a great, nevertheless, story. We can't catch anything. Nevertheless, at thy word, we will cast on the other side. And God gave so much fish, they couldn't take it all in. I think of another example named David. David was anointed to be king when he was just a, a little boy, but for years, David had to run and hide for his life. But nevertheless, the anointing that God had placed on David brought him to the throne and the plan of God for his life. He'd been anointed as a boy. Well, then I should rise and be king. No, there's somebody else that doesn't like you, and he's king. And he chased him. He had to be in caves. He ran for his life. He he, he had to fight. He had to keep going. But nevertheless, the anointing that God placed on him brought forth the answer. I want to say, if you have heard from the Spirit of God, there's been anointing on your life, but yet things are not going too well, or you don't see that thing fulfilled yet, that's not the time to give up. That's the time to say, nevertheless, at your word, nevertheless, that anointing that has been on me is going to bring me to the plan of God and the throne of God. Hallelujah. We're going to rule and reign because He said the word. And we're going to keep right on fighting. In between times, let's keep fighting. Fighting the enemy. Fighting these things so that we can see God's will accomplished in our life just like David. Amen? Amen. Another example is when Peter walked on the water in Matthew 14 and uh, verse 28. Again, the disciples were out in the boat. Storm came up on the Sea of Galilee. And in the middle of the storm, Jesus came walking across the water. You can't do that. That's a never situation. Have you ever try that? You don't walk on water, you go down into water. It's a never situation. But nevertheless, Jesus was walking on top of the water. And they were scared to death. Nobody walks on the water, they thought it was a ghost. It says that right in the Bible but it was just jesus coming to help them jesus yelled out be of good cheer it is i be not afraid i'm here and good old peter said lord if it's really you walking on the water let me come to you on the water what we're really saying is hey nobody walks on water but nevertheless if it's really you let me come to you walking on the water and he did He did. Peter got out of the boat in the middle of the sea and started walking on the water. He did the impossible up until verse 30. Verse 30 says, when he saw the boisterous wind, he was afraid and began to sink and he cried saying, Lord, save me. See, he could nevertheless do the impossible until his eyes began to look at the waves instead of Jesus. When we we'll begin to see circumstances instead of the way of God, instead of what God, what the Lord is saying to us, and we're looking, letting the circumstances overwhelm us, we we'll begin to sink in those circumstances. But God wants us to rise up and walk on water. Do the impossible. Live a life that's impossible in the natural, because nevertheless the Spirit of God is in us, and He said we'll receive power when the Spirit comes on. We need to be giving living victorious lives. That's the only reason I gave all these examples this morning that we could see I'm not going to be going under the waves. I'm not going to be under the enemy that's trying to keep me off the throne. I'm not going to listen to the voice of the devil. I'm not going to go under the circumstances. I could go on and on with biblical examples, but I know some of you are getting hungry. Uh, So our time's about gone. I'll close. I started the message talking about Jerry and her going, and I'd like to close giving an example of Jerry. If you were here for the memorial service, and if not, it's available online. You can watch it. Uh, I did real good sitting here. I, I didn't get too emotional, but this week I by myself at home, turned it on and watched the whole evening. And uh, i tell you, I just got a little emotional. I was blowing my nose the whole time and wiping my eyes, and I really felt it as I watched it again. But what a testimony to one who followed the Lord all of her life and made her life really count. The video we showed showed how vibrant and alive she was, loved her family, loved her Sunday school children. Loved her church. But I watched her as her body got weaker and weaker and more and more frail until she was less than 100 pounds and too weak to even to stand up or hardly get out of bed. And uh, I would moved a cot into the room so I was just a few feet away so I could hear what she called. And I would hear her in the night talking. And I would get up thinking she was calling me. I said, what did you want? What are you What are you saying? And she would say, night after night, I was just talking to God. I was praying to the Lord. You know, she was still calling out to the Lord. And I couldn't, why so I couldn't even understand her words any longer. Eating became a challenge. I knew that she couldn't take much more, couldn't live much longer. And I heard her the last night gasping for breath. And I said, how long can she go on? How long can anybody go on like this? But... Nevertheless. Nevertheless, the apostle Paul wrote, Though our physical body get weaker and weaker, our inward self is strengthened. We're going to be rising to meet him, dwelling in the presence of the Lord that she loved, and that's where she is right now. Nevertheless, I want to say, nevertheless, her body got weaker and weaker, but I want to report a week later that her memorial service she is whole, she is at peace, she is perfect in her new dwelling place, dwelling in the presence of the Lord she loved and worshiping him with her whole heart. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In conclusion, let me say, just let me say, we live and we die, but keep the faith because no matter what we go through down here, nevertheless, our Lord keeps his promise and he receives us unto himself. Shall we pray? Lord, take this message this morning and speak to every one of us. Lord, no matter what people are going through, some came with heavy burdens this morning. No matter what we're going through, we may feel like we're never going to have victory. It's never going to happen. Lord, I help! I pray help them to see that nevertheless your plan and your purpose can keep us and fulfill your will no matter what's happening to us down here in this old world. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your promises. Thank you, Lord, for your salvation for each one of us and an eternal home with you forever. Keep us true and faithful, God, till we see you and hear you say, well done. Amen. Would you stand with me for